Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Can you think of a time when you really, really messed up? Maybe sometime your anger got the best of you and you lashed out with words that really hurt someone or lashed out with a physical blow. Perhaps you have broken a promise or betrayed a confidence. The possibilities for how a person might end up are endless. How a person might mess up are endless. What comes to mind for you? For some of us, a string of relatively minor errors may come to mind. For some of us, one particular thing stands out. The thing we believe is the worst thing we've ever done. What comes to mind for you? Really? What do you know about ways or a particular way that you have missed the mark? I think there is something very human in us that shies away from looking at the ways we have hurt others. It can be hard to live with the knowledge that we have hurt someone. It can be hard to come to terms with the ways we fall short of who we hope to be. And when we do look at our missteps, then what? What do we do with that? I think the hope that we can be forgiven, the knowledge that we are forgiven, may be the thing that makes it possible for us to look at those places where we have hurt someone or done harm. I think the hope of forgiveness may be necessary to give us a way to come to terms with those places where we miss the mark. I expect that this is a conversation that will land on different people very differently. I have known people who are well protected from regret, people who do not see themselves as having made significant mistakes in life. In other words, people who do not see themselves as being in need of forgiveness. On the other hand, I know people who are weighed down by feeling that everything they do is wrong. People who live with a pervasive sense of shame and see themselves as the worst kind of sinners. These people may see themselves as in need of forgiveness, but may have a difficult time accepting that they might be forgiven. But I think most of us live somewhere in between these extremes. I think most of us have had occasion to long for forgiveness, to long for someone to forgive us for the way we hurt them, or to long for God to forgive us for that place where we really missed the mark. The idea for preaching on forgiveness started because I've been wanting to engage with some of the spirited conversations I hear taking place in the public arena. All around us, there are conversations taking place that relate to faith or spirituality. 
many of these conversations take place on social media. The topic of forgiveness came up in relation to the murder of nine black people during a Bible study at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina last month. Many family members of victims spoke words of forgiveness to the killer. And the public reaction to these words of forgiveness ranged from praise to condemnation. So two weeks ago, I preached on forgiveness as a spiritual practice, what it means, how we might understand it, as people who are called to forgive those who wrong us. That sermon looked at just one piece of the full picture of forgiveness— and some people wanted to hear more. Specifically, that sermon looked at what happens for the person who forgives another, but didn't look at all at what it means to be in need of forgiveness. So that's our topic today for today, but really these are two parts of a whole, and each is incomplete without the other. The concept of sin has been so much abused in the Christian tradition and in contemporary Christianity, though some people can barely stand to hear the word. Some people mentally close down in reaction to talk of sin because of the ways that has been used abusively. But I think sin is a valuable concept and is helpful in practical ways. It is also normal. I use the words sin, missing the mark, misstep, and shortcoming almost interchangeably. The truth is that part of the human condition is that we fall short. We make mistakes. We cause harm, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And the Christian faith invites us to look at this reality and to work toward healing. Forgiveness is a concept and practice that is thoroughly woven in to the Christian faith. Every week, we turn to God in prayer and say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or in some, in some traditions, they translate it as, Forgive us our sins. What are our trespasses? What are our sins? Do we really believe in our need for forgiveness? When do we take our need for forgiveness seriously, and when do we not? And then, when we do accept our need for forgiveness, can we also accept that we are forgiven? I think that when we are conscious of ways we have hurt someone else, we do long to be forgiven. To be forgiven by someone who we have hurt can be like having the heaviest of burdens lifted from our shoulders. It can be like coming out of the darkness into the light. Being forgiven frees us. It frees us from being forever in bondage to our own sin. Being forgiven can be an experience of the deepest healing. In the Bible, forgiveness and healing are often intertwined. In our reading from Luke's Gospel this morning, four friends take one who is paralyzed to see Jesus. The friends are hoping Jesus will heal their friend. The friends must believe strongly that Jesus can heal because they go to great lengths to bring their friend to Jesus. They have to carry him, 
and they can't even go in through their front door because such a large crowd has gathered to hear Jesus that the way is blocked. So these persistent friends haul the weight of their paralyzed friend up onto the roof of the house, and then they dig their way through the sticks and the mud of that thatch until they have made a hole in the roof big enough to fit a man through. Then they lower their friend down through that hole until he is right in front of Jesus, right in the middle of the crowd that has gathered. And Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven you. I wonder if the four friends felt a moment of dismay or even disappointment. They came to see their friend healed, and instead Jesus says his sins are forgiven. Their arms are tired, and they had hoped to see their friend walk out on his own two feet. But Jesus doesn't get their friend to walk, not at first anyway. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. But for Jesus, healing and forgiveness are intertwined. Both healing and forgiveness are about restoring a person to full participation in the community. Both healing and forgiveness are about restoring a person's closeness to God. During Jesus' life and during the times when the Gospels were written, prejudices about illness and disability caused people to feel distant from God. And sin was also understood to separate people from God. So for Jesus, both healing and forgiveness bring people closer to God. Healing and forgiveness are intertwined. Today, we too can see that being forgiven has enormous potential to heal us. One good example of how this works comes from the 12 steps. A significant portion of the 12 steps have to do with self-examination, a willingness to admit wrongdoing, a commitment to change our behavior. While the 12 steps don't use the language of forgiveness explicitly, step five is to admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Steps eight and nine deal with making amends to a person we have wronged. Surely, recovery from addiction is a process of healing. And coming to terms with our own wrongdoing is necessary for our healing. The Christian language for this process is repentance and atonement. For those of us who long to be forgiven for something we've done, our own repentance and atonement can be central to finding that healing. As we experience and express our regret, our lament, and our awareness of our wrongdoing, and as we do what we can to make right what we have done wrong, we move toward healing. That is our work to do when we have missed the mark. And then sometimes, through the grace of God, we receive forgiveness as well. Forgiveness from that person we have wronged, or forgiveness from God. Can you accept that you are forgiven? In that place inside where you feel most convicted of your own wrongdoing, can you also take in the truth that God forgives you? 
And when another flesh and blood human being forgives you for some way you have hurt them, can you open yourself to receive that? And along with that, then, can you forgive yourself? Being forgiven can bring about incredible healing in our lives, even transformation. But sometimes it can be difficult to accept. Forgiveness is available to us because it is in God's very nature. The New Testament talks about human forgiveness, but the Hebrew scriptures in particular, the Old Testament, emphasize that God's grace and mercy are inherent to God's nature. Knowing that forgiveness is in God's nature tells us that forgiveness is also God's will, God's will for us and for our world, a part of God's vision or God's kingdom. God sets the pattern by being merciful. And as with all things that are a part of God's will, God invites us to participate along with God. So we've been talking about the enormous difference, the healing difference it can make in our lives when we are forgiven. It can free us. It can be transformative. Many of us long for that healing and freedom in the wake of those times when we really mess up. But Christianity is not individualistic. It is not a faith that applies only to our personal, internal lives. The Christian faith always has a communal dimension, and forgiveness is no exception. I am convinced that forgiveness reflects God's will, God's will for our communal life, not only in the church but in the world. Remember back to the beginning of the sermon when I invited you to reflect on those things you have done wrong? Perhaps you remembered even the very worst thing you have done. If we don't apply an ethic of forgiveness to our communal life, to our life in the world, then people get put in a box according to the very worst thing they have ever done. And sometimes our communal life does not provide any way out of that box. I think this is part of what we see at work in the massive scale of incarceration in our country. As Christians who trust in a merciful God, we are created in that image of that God and called to work toward God's kingdom. We must make space in our communal life for forgiveness and healing. We must offer ways that people can be freed from identification with the worst thing they have ever done. Ways to work toward reconciliation and restoration between an individual and the person they have wronged and society as a whole. As people who are ourselves forgiven, we can do no less. Forgiveness is a gift of God's grace, whether we are on the receiving end or the giving end. Forgiveness is a gift available to us for our healing to restore us to wholeness. Let us soak in that knowledge with gratitude. And then beyond our personal stories, forgiveness is God's will for our world. 
God calls us to seek restoration and reconciliation in our communal life, to make space for healing for all those who have missed the mark. Thanks be to God for God's great gift of forgiveness. Amen.